Hello, welcome to the Sullivan County Democrat Podcast, brought to you by the Kitchen Table Cafe in Calicoon, New York. Check out the Kitchen Table Cafe's Facebook and Instagram to see what in-house baked goods they're cooking up. I'm Managing Editor Joe Abraham, and here are this week's top stories. Trustees in the village of Monticello approved the new municipal insurance policy during an emergency meeting on Friday morning. The village's previous policy was not renewed by New York MIR, and according to trustee Carmen Rue, they had to approve a new policy before Sunday to keep facilities, village facilities open. The village had been paying $369,000 for their policy through New York Municipal Insurance Reciprocal. The new insurance policy is $831,865 annually. Owen McCain from the Rice Group walked the board through their efforts to secure another insurance policy for the village at the lowest price they could. More than a dozen other carriers declined to insure the village, many citing past loss experience. It's not just one thing that got you here. It's a lot of things, McCain told board members. Among the reasons NYMIR chose not to renew the village's municipal insurance policy were the number and nature of past lawsuits, as well as recommendations about building safety and repairs. Once they non-renew, that's a strike against the village. That makes it a lot harder to get coverage, McCain explained. Trustee Rue said that although the price of the new policy is more than double what the village had been paying before, they had no choice but to keep the village insured. Rue said, quote, now that we have a situation where we have to approve it, our responsibility is to cover the village for now and see if we can do something later on to lower the cost. Trustee Gordon Jenkins was critical of Mayor George Nicolatos for not being present at the emergency meeting to vote on the new policy. Why isn't the mayor here? Jenkins asked. This board should write a letter to say for George to resign. Jenkins called the $831,000 insurance policy, quote, a damn shame. We need help in this village. In regards to not being present, Nicolato said the board should pull all trustees before scheduling a meeting to see who is available. I do work and have a full-time job, said Nicolatos. My employees and my customers depend on me and I can't walk out anytime I want to. Speaking about the insurance policy, Nicolato said, quote, it's very disappointing. We're a cash-strapped village to begin with. We were expecting an increase just because everything increases, but not expecting as large as we got. Trustees Rue, Jenkins, and Rochelle Massey voted to approve the policy. Mayor Nicolatos and Trustee Michael Banks were not present. Nicolato said that the board will have to see where they can make cuts to accommodate the increased cost of insurance. Going forward, McCain suggested that the village bring in an HR consultant to work on conflict resolution. You have to start getting along, he said. Divisiveness is not helping anybody. During the last Mamikating Town Board meeting on July 19th, County Legislator Nicholas Salomon gave a report about the upcoming redistricting of the legislature for Sullivan County. This process occurs every 10 years to ensure that each of the nine legislative districts cover the same amount of people, Salomon explained. The county website states, quote, each district must encompass approximately 8,627 residents with a deviation of 5% allowed. Salomon presented three options that were drawn up by a consultant to show the different possibilities that the county will vote on before the end of the year. Salomon also explained the differences in town populations that warrant the redistricting. For example, The town of Rockland saw a population loss of approximately 400 people, while Mamikating saw a population growth of approximately 600 people. Mamikating is now the third largest township in Sullivan County, whereas it was the fourth largest in 2010, Salomon stated. He also announced that there is a public hearing on August 11th at 11 a.m. in the hearing room of the Government Center at 100 North Street in Monticello. The public will have an opportunity to hear a presentation on the redistricting process and give feedback. Salomon noted that the maps must be voted on by December. 
Back in February, Fred Eisenberg from O&W Rail Trail Lines gave a presentation to the Mammocating Board with updates to O&W Rail Trail and explained who the Alliance is. The Alliance is made up of municipalities that feature chunks of the rail trail and the goal is to connect the trails together. In February, Eisenberg asked for a formal commitment from Mammocating, but residents and members of the board had questions about finances. At their most recent meeting, Town Supervisor Mike Robbins noted that the board did not like the way the resolution was written and town attorney Ben Gailey worked on it to better suit Mammocating's needs. Robbins stated that in the new resolution, the board did not have to put any up money up to become a member of the Alliance. He also stated that this is a good project for Mammocating to be involved in because Mammocating's own W rail trails will eventually be connected to the county's trails. Robbins announced the next short-term rental workshop will occur on August 10th at 6 p.m. with public comment after. The format will be much the same as previous workshops. He noticed the last workshop was productive, but there are still some items to be hashed out. The more workshops we have, the better off we will be with getting things straightened out and agreed on for everybody, Robbins said. The board hopes to have something to present to the public for feedback after this workshop. Mammocating has been voicing concerns about speeding cars over the past year. Several residents have complained about speeders as well. Last year, one resident, Daphne Hodgson, complained to the board about speeders on County Route 56 and requested a lower speed limit for the road, citing that her neighbors are afraid to walk their dogs. The board passed a resolution to lower the speed limit from 55 to 45 miles per hour, but had to wait on county approval for the limit to take effect. In June, the board passed a resolution to lower the speed limit and remove the passing line on Mary Caning Road to Mountain Road to the Bloomingburg Village line. This prompted Hodgson to ask about the status of the speed limit on County Road 56. Robbins provided the update on July 19th, saying that the county approved the speed limit change on County Road 56 to 45 miles an hour. He stated that the county is responsible for speed limit signs and that the information will be forthcoming. He also noted that Mountain Road speed limit decision will take will likely take another six to nine months as County Route 56's decision took that long. A county tower atop Rock Hill's peak is now in operation, with a public cell signal available to areas long underserved or unserved. This represents the perfect trifecta of service, known as District 9 Legislator Alan Sorensen, whose district encompasses Rock Hill and the surrounding town of Thompson. Verizon is leasing space on the tower to provide cell service. We plan to utilize it ourselves for our emergency communications network, and ultimately we'll offer wireless broadband via this tower, with signals reaching potentially as far away as Woodridge, Thompsonville, and Yankee Link, Sorensen explained. Built on property acquired from the Emerald Corporate Center behind Crystal Run Healthcare, that 190-foot tower cost approximately $700,000, paid for with a state grant, of which the county share was only $10,000. As we built out the core emergency communication system in 2017, we were looking for pockets where we can improve public safety. At the same time, we saw this as aligning our broadband and cell expansion goals, County Manager Josh Patozik said. We also strove to be sensitive to local communities' desire not to have a tower that would significantly impact the viewshed. Patosik added, calling it a real team effort by multiple members of staff in various offices. Shifting over to the town of Rockland, after months of research, committee meetings, and projections, a draft of the Livingston Manor and Roscoe School District merger study has been sent out to the State Education Department for review. The 133-page document combines the various topics that were discussed at prior meetings, including transportation, finances, facilities, and more, with recommendations by the consultants for the merger. While this study can be used as a building block, there are many things that will be left up to the districts, or rather the new district, should the vote pass through the three stages. 
One topic of contention being addressed is transportation. In the committee meeting about it, a shuttle system between two buildings were discussed, but many parents expressed discontent about this idea. As a remedy, the two districts were working with Rolling V to create a projection for new bus routes that would avoid the need for a shuttle system. We are working with Rolling V to design new routes to see what works. We are looking into things like a staggered start versus both buildings starting at the same time, Superintendent of Livingston Manor Roscoe John Evans said. A final report is expected to be presented to both districts' Board of Education at a joint meeting in mid-September. Following the September meeting, the school boards would individually vote in October. And if both boards passed the vote, then the next step would be an advisory referendum where the public would vote in favor of or against the merger. Should the advisory referendum pass, the next vote would be the binding referendum. And if that vote passes, it would be the final step before beginning of a new merged school district. The study has been an informative source for questions regarding the possible marriage of the districts. The study provides information so people can make informed decisions, Evans said. Rumors and misconceptions about what the district might mean, such as a loss of jobs and tax heights, have the potential to persuade voters, so it's important to get out the correct information. One reason that people seem to be against the merger is they think jobs will be cut, but that is not the case, Evans stated. In the study, we discussed using attrition to solve staffing issues, meaning that when a vacancy opens by retirement or a changing position, not filling it. Based off the data that has been collected from the past five years, the district has had 23 to 26 positions changed. And while the financial savings would not be realized immediately, over time, the vacancies as they pop up would not just not be refilled. When asked about the merger, Evans said, I'm hopefully optimistic that there will be support for a merger by objectively looking at the data. There are a lot of pros and reasons why merging makes sense for both communities. In the end, we have to do what is best for the kids. Change is difficult for everyone, but we've shown, especially in the last few years, that we're capable of adapting to changes. That does it for today's episode of the Sullivan County Democrat Podcast, brought to you by the Kitchen Table Cafe in Calico, New York. We'll be in touch again next week with the latest headlines. <music>